You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Bears Illustrated Podcast. Garrett Ross, Pernay Malampati here with you. What's up, man? How you doing today? Pretty good. I'm chilling. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. A lot of news. There's been a lot of changes since we were last on. A lot on. of news. I mean, dude, Jay Wright announces he's retiring out of nowhere. I think mm-hmm. that kind of caught pretty much the whole nation by surprise, the whole world by surprise for that yeah. matter. You have... We, and we were talking the other day with coach about Coach Drew and the, the, the one-and-dones and the transfer portal. Well, what does he do? Brings in Jalen Bridges from West Virginia to come and join the team. Adam Flagler decides this afternoon, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to go to the NBA as well. Uh, so it's been very interesting around the landscape of college basketball, to say the least, dude. Yeah, around Baylor basketball specifically. A lot of moves being made. Um, it was very... I was shocked to see Adam Flagler declare this early. I thought he was going to stay for another year, but it's, I mean, we'll see what he does in the NBA. It creates a big hole in Baylor's lineup. And I think it makes it even more key that we're getting Joe Bridges. Yeah. And to me, I was, I was thinking about the move from Bridges coming over and it's, you really couldn't ask for a better player to fill the void left behind by Sohan, in my opinion. Uh, you know, the, Bridges is one of those guys that, you're really going to plug and play with him, dude. It's He could play multiple positions defensively the same way that Sohan was able to do. I I think that they really don't miss a beat with him at all. No, I actually think he's he, he's very similar to Kendall Brown, actually. Um, very good he point. Play, he, he's built like Kendall Brown. He's quick. He's long. He can defend on the perimeter. Um, he hasn't always played great defense, but he, he definitely has the athleticism and he has the ability to. Um, and then he has he has very similar skills to Kendall Brown. They're a little more polished. He's a little less athletic, but because he's been in college already for a couple of years, he's a better shooter. Um, and he also has, he has some of the point forward skills that Kendall Brown has. And I think that's going to be really important, especially because there's not really a, a, a true starting point guard on the roster. So having having a forward like Jalen Bridges who can play a little bit of point forward is going to be helpful. I thought it was interesting too. Like you don't really see a lot of these in conference moves necessarily. Like I, I I can't really pinpoint when Baylor or I guess Bailey from Baylor's standpoint. I was trying to think of a, a transfer they've brought over from within the league, and I I mean you you've had guys come in from the SEC, you've had guys come in from smaller colleges, but. Am I missing something? There's this is probably the first Big Twelve move, isn't it? Yeah, I can't think of any that Baylor's brought in from the Big Twelve. Um, it's it's rare. It's rare in general, like players transferring to another school within the conference. But it's uh, it's huge that Baylor's able to pick up Jalen Bridges over a school like Michigan State. It, it shows that the players are starting to realize that Baylor is somewhere they can go and develop into an NBA player. I mean, Jalen Bridges said it himself. He said that he was looking for a place that could turn him into an NBA player. And he said that he thought Baylor was that place. Um, and it speaks volumes that he chose 
Scott Drew and his coaching staff over someone like Tom Izzo, who has a pedigree of turning players into um, NBA guys. So that I, we might see more of that in the future. That's a good point. And I also thought it was, you know, because when you look at Scott Drew, he's very respectful and, and mindful of everybody, especially the, the coaches within the league. And for him to bring the guy over within conference, that tells me that he's got the blessing from Huggins, Bob Huggins, to let Jalen come over. And I think that really is, it's unique. Um, and and kind of what I was going with, with about bringing a player within conference for Baylor is, they know what to expect, right? Like, like when you brought over, uh, even last year when you brought over um, Akinjo, while he had been at big programs around the, the country, I mean, Georgetown and Arizona, he's seen the competition. He's not, he wasn't familiar week in, week out, the grind of the Big 12, whereas that's something Bridges has already seen, man. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be much easier. It's going to make it much easier for him to transition, and he's already been around Scott Drew a little bit. Um, he's watched him on TV, he said, and it's it's good that he's already familiar with playing all these Big 12 programs because, like you said, it, it is a grind. It's it's probably the biggest grind of any conference in college basketball, and the fact that he's been through that for a couple seasons means that he won't miss a beat when he joins Baylor, and it's going to be it's going to be huge for the team next year. Still need to bring in someone else, especially after Flagler is leaving, but um, bringing Bridges in is one step closer to competing for another national championship. Do you think that was – I was trying to put this together. When when the news come down yesterday about Bridges and then you look at Flagler announcing, do you think that was one of those where Flagler looked at Bridges coming in and, and felt like maybe this is going to take up – because, I mean, you still got Langston Love coming in. We, we know Keontae George is coming in. We don't know when Miro Little will be here. You think that was a case of looking at the the pieces fall into place and and sitting there saying, well, maybe I need to make my move now because I don't want to end up, and I hate to say this, but I don't want to end up in a situation like Matthew Meyer did, you know, this year. See, it could be, but I don't think you make a decision like that in one day, right? Like he's got to have been thinking about it for a while. And I think even if, even if he had, like, even with Bridges coming in, if he had stayed, I think Flagler would have been the go-to guy on offense, him and Cryer. So I'm sure that Bridges might have played a part in it, but I think it's more likely that Bridges had an idea that Flagler might be leaving, and that was part of why he came over here. That's a good point, too. Um, my thing with Flagler, man, like I, I'm all for people going to the league. I'm all for people you know, setting yourself up, your family, your best interest – Take advantage of the opportunities presented to you. I mean, I'm all for that, 110%, dude. But like Forrest Gump, man, I might not be the smartest man. I just don't see the Flagler being ready for the NBA. And that's not a shot at him, dude. But that's that's comparing what we've seen with you know the other guards that have come through the program and the success they're having or not having right now in the NBA. I just, when I see Flagler, like it never even crossed my mind that he would enter the draft this year. I just didn't think he was ready. It, it, am I being a Debbie Downer? or like? Are you seeing some of the things, same things? No, I agree with you. I don't think, like, he's a shooting guard. And he doesn't have the size of an NBA shooting guard. So he has to be, he has to be very productive. He has to be a very good shooter. And while he is a good shooter, I just don't see him as being like uh, a, a high pick in the NBA draft. And 
Although, like, the other thing is that even if he stayed another year, that probably wouldn't have helped his draft prospect just because regardless of how good he is, he doesn't have that NBA shooting guard size and athleticism. So maybe he was like, I'd rather go now and take that extra year to develop in, in the league or the G League. And he did keep his eligibility. He hasn't hired an agent yet. So it's still possible that Flagler comes back to Baylor next year, which is important to keep in mind. But it's a... Uh, it's a very interesting decision. I didn't see it coming either. That's a good point too. And I was I was wondering. I wasn't for sure if he went ahead and got an agent. And I think that's one of the beauties of the NBA. I wish some of the other leagues, which I I mean, no, it is what it is. But the beauty of the NBA is you you can test the market and you can get some positive feedback and, and come back. So I could definitely see him taking advantage of that, like you know, going out there, getting told what you need to sharpen up. And then coming back, I think that would be a more ideal situation for him. Um, I guess the bigger, I guess the last domino to really fall now is Meyer. I mean, at this point, yeah. what, what the hell are you going to do? I mean, are you coming back? Are you leaving? What are you waiting for? <laughs> at this point, I feel like if Flagler goes, if Flagler goes to the NBA, Meyer's sitting there like I could be the number two scoring option on this offense if I can get my act together. So he he might I think this points towards him having a higher likelihood of coming back. I honestly think, dude, like whether it's a a pride thing or however you want to put it, I, I feel like he needs to come back. I, I just watching him play this year while he you know did some positive things defensively that kind of gotten overlooked and maybe caught the cause of the root cause of us questioning his success this season because of what he lacked offensively. I think that if he did take advantage, man, it could definitely be because you bring up a good point. If Flagler's gone, he, that could completely open things up and he's already gone through a season where he knew it hindered him from not scoring. Like you've got to be adamant about scoring and, and doing it all over the floor. If you're Meyer. Yeah. And the reason we say that it's, it's going to be helpful for him to come back is because he has the tools to be a really good offensive player. He ha- he just hasn't been able to turn it into a consistent – he hasn't been able to produce consistently. But he – like, you can see the talent and the, and the athleticism, the length, and the shooting ability that he has on the floor. So if he comes back next year and makes the most of it, he could turn into a first-round pick. I thought, like – a lot of us thought that he was going to be really good this year and end yeah. up being the first-round pick in the draft, but he, he wasn't able to do much on offense, which is why he probably should come back next year. That you know, I mean, you know that that's exactly where everybody was waiting, and it was like every game, you know, is this tonight? Is this tonight? And it just never was, man. But it, regardless of all that, the 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 key component is in that the hand that makes all this work is Scott Drew, um, you know. What he's been able to build here, he solidified himself really over the past decade as one of the top coaches in the nation. And I think last year with the national championship, that kind of put to rest any any argument to that from the outside. I, I don't see how you could really argue with that. But with Jay Wright announcing yesterday that he's gone, does that make Scott Drew the best coach in the nation? The best active coach in the nation. We're going to get into that next here on the Bears Illustrated Podcast. Welcome back 
into the Bears Illustrated podcast. Garrett and Pernay here with you. And man, let, let's jump into this. There's a lot of great college basketball coaches out there. And really, when you look over the past few months, we have seen legend after legend step away. Uh, whether it was Roy Williams, Coach K, uh, and now Jay Wright. And it's crazy. I never really expected. I was thinking Jay Wright was one of those dudes that's going to be coaching at Villanova when he's like 70, 75. You know, maybe it, he just felt like like he was the next Coach K or something. Like he was just stepping in. He was there. Or Coach Drew for that matter. Like you're there for that program. It's just Villanova through and through. But. I mean, what was your initial thought? Like, my initial thought was, is this a medical thing? Like, I, I, I was really concerned like that. <laughs> my first thing was I texted my friend who went to Villanova, and I was like, man, how are you feeling? <laughs> he, was, he was like, I'm low-key depressed. <laughs> I bet, man. That's it, yeah. shockwaves. So I, I was looking at his numbers, man. And John Rothstein had this up on Twitter, and I wanted to to share this. Listen to this resume he's put together, Coach Wright has put together over the past decade. Two national titles, three Final Fours, seven Big East regular season titles, five Big East tournament titles, 22-6 and six in the NCAA tournament games, 263-45 and 45 overall, 83.2% winning percentage, 130 and 31 in Big East regular season games. I knew Villanova was good. I didn't know they were like that. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, Jay Wright's done incredible things at Villanova. He's turned that program into uh, he turned it into a an absolute monster on the on the same level as programs like Kansas and Kentucky and UNC and stuff. Uh, so it's he, he's a, he's a legend. Uh, one of the pro I mean, we could probably say he's one of the greatest coaches of all time, right? Oh, definitely. You know, and here's the thing. If you're him, and I think a lot of coaches are doing this. Well, Jay Wright's 60, so when I say older, he's not necessarily – I'm not going to throw him in the older coaches, but I I think the way the landscape of of college athletics has changed drastically over the past couple of years, you're seeing more of these guys realize this really isn't worth my time. Like, it's too much of a headache. It – you you get used to doing things a certain way, and when you throw money nil the the transfer portal, I feel like a lot of these guys are getting burnt out, and I feel like that could be the case you're seeing here with Jay Wright. Now, do you if that is the case, or and even if it isn't, if you're him, do you do you? I mean, the Lakers are sitting out there looking for a coach. Do you even mess going into that? That's a dumpster fire to begin with. Do you do you even mess with the NBA? Because to me, I was thinking he's very he, – he does have some of those Billy Donovan, those uh, – uh, the Butler head coach that's at Boston, uh, Brad Stevens. He's got some of those qualities to him. Do you think he would try the league? I think if he still wants to work, yeah, why not? I think he would be able to be a good coach in the league and – uh while we're at it, how about how about Philadelphia? If if the Sixers don't go where they're supposed to these playoffs, Doc Rivers is probably on the hot seat. He should be he should be doing a lot better. So what if he what if he took over the Sixers? That's intriguing. That is an intriguing thought. Um 
here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Philly, you're a Philly fan. Y'all are relentless. I know. I don't know about six. I know you're the Eagles fan. You mentioned that Philly fans I, can be relentless, bro. Fan. Okay. Yeah, but no. The reason I say the Sixers is because Villanova's in Philadelphia. I, I know. I know. Through that. But here's the deal. Right now, he's sitting pretty in Philadelphia, and he goes to the Sixers, and we know they aren't the most. Look, I know they got some players, and I'm not a Ben Simmons fan. You know, I ain't touching Ben Simmons and all, but. uh <laughs> Do you, if you have bad luck there, if you're not able to turn that around, they might not want you out of that city. Like, I think he's got to, he solidified himself. Or, or unlike other coaches, does he get, does he get a longer leash because of what he's done at Villanova? Not in that city. (laughs) I don't, I, I, you know, I just, I don't see it. I feel like that's a slippery slope, and it, but here's the thing: it's a, it's like what a catch twenty two because if he went there and was able to right the ship and get him to the finals or something, he would be like they would put a statue of him uh, of him next oh, to Rocky, yeah. bro. Like he <laughs> would have the, the city on lock. Yeah, I, man, I I don't know. I, I just. I don't think he does anything. I, if he comes back to the sideline, I don't think it's next season. I, I think he takes a That's year fair. off. Um, I, I can't remember. I think it was John Goodman from this the the stadium dot com that that was saying like like for uh, right trying to get the campaign rolling essentially to have him fill Seth Greenberg's spot on the the, oh, the pregame show. Yeah. He would be a good fit for that. I mean. He, yeah, so, he's got the style for it, that's for sure. Definitely, dude. He's sharp dressed, man. He dresses to kill at all times. Uh, he's got options. So yeah. now that he's gone, now that Coach K's gone, yeah. who's who's the best coach? I mean, Drew's definitely in the mix. Yeah, I'm gonna go as far to say I'm gonna go as far as to say Scott Drew is the best coach in college basketball. I would love to say that. I want to say that. I, it's got to be between him and Bill Self, right? Cal Perry's had too long of a break between actually doing anything. I think it's definitely between him and Bill Self. Cal Perry, like you said, it's been too long. It's been hit and miss. He's kind of got went down that rabbit hole with the the one and dones and kind of lost track. Tom Izzo, great coach, great I mean, coach. He's in the conversation. Uh, actually, I mean, he has a ton of. He has like nine Final Fours. So. You gotta, you gotta throw him in there. He the one national championship though. I think that's the hiccup with that. Yeah, I mean, I think like it's different. But, like, there's a difference between talking legacy and who's the best coach right now, and that's why I say Scott Drew is the best coach right now. If we're going legacy, it's probably Bill Self, and then I mean, the only other coach, active coach with two technically national championships, is Rick Pitino, um, but he's not up there right now. So I think it'd be. Top two, top three has got to be Self, Drew, and Cal Perry, and I have Drew at number one right now. Okay, so interesting that you brought up the the legacy part of this. Where does that put Mark Few in the conversation? No championships, a lot of regular season wins, a lot of tournament wins. Yeah, two two um, national championship game appearances. Correct. Which is fantastic for a mid mate like i put him probably i put him probably at 
five right now behind Izzo. That's a good point, man. I've, I've always been an Izzo fan. I loved that team that won the national championship. Uh, it, there was just there was so much great story there. You had the guys from Flint. It was. Uh, I would love to put Izzo up there. I just feel like, to me, he's kind of at the end. I feel like him and, and Jim Beheim are the next two up to retire. And I feel like yeah. Beheim's just holding on until his kids run through there. Um, how how old is he? Like eighty? Bro, he's up there. Yeah, and, and he's had scandal. You know that that, that they've kind of swept under the rug, and mm-hmm. yeah, I just feel like Izzo and Beheim are on their way out, and, and Patino for that matter. I mean, he gets lost in the mix because he ended up at Iona, but he left. Where did he end up? Do you, I know he left Iona. I, don't, I can't remember where he went. Oh, but, did he? Yeah, it. But I'm not sure. And I don't know if he gets another power power five job and then you gotta, you know, i think i think you've got to someone someone's gonna give him a chance well definitely i mean and then you got sean he's miller still, he's still at iona is he i thought he was leaving yeah. he's got so you still got sean miller in the mix as well there's there's a lot of great candidates but i would definitely i'm leaning with you right now that it's either scott drew or bill self and you could even say one a one b yeah in that sense yeah. if you want to and what does that say about this matchup? What does that say about? Well, how about Tony Bennett? Ooh, I need I'm more consistency. I need more consistency, but he's definitely in the mix. Yeah, he's he's not too old either, so I think he's he's. He, a, he, him and Jay Wright always had a lot of similarities. In my, uh-huh. I always seen a lot of similarities between those two. There's, I mean, the way they're coached and everything. Yeah, no, that's true. I think the only difference is that Tony Bennett was in a conference with Duke and UNC and yeah. all those schools. That's never an easy, easy task. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Scott Drew is, in our opinion, the one of the best active coaches right now. And I don't really don't think you can really debate that. The resume speaks for itself. He's constantly turning guys out to the NBA. You're, and what he turned what what he turned the program around from, like but it's the best. I think it's the best turnaround in sports history. Like, yeah, I, 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 I don't give a damn what sport it is. It's I think the best turnaround in sports history. Yeah, I just finished reading Matt Saman's book about like he was one of the guys yeah. who was a senior on that first Scott Drew team, and just what happened that summer and how Scott Drew came in and turned that program around so quickly. Like within five years, they were in the Elite Eight. It was crazy, they dude. Hadn't, they hadn't been in the tournament 15 years before that, so. I'll never forget when all that stuff went down. I mean, I was I was in high school when it happened, and I, you know, living oh, okay. 20 minutes away from it, and it was like, what Dang. the heck is happening? Oh, that that must have been an experience, bro. It was crazy, like it was insane. Yeah, what uh, was what was that like? Um, ah, dude, it was it caught you off guard. You hated to see it. They had a really good team. You had John Lucas. Uh, mm-hmm. You had oh god, I'm I'm drawing a blank on his name. He ended up going to Mississippi State. Big man. He was cold, dude. He was so good. Um, Andy Taylor. No, I'll, I'll look it up. And uh, that team was so good. They had a lot of promise. And my friend actually went to the basketball. It was he he went to their camp that summer and worked with those guys that that all that stuff went down okay. with. But it was it was. A time. It was a wild time, to say the least. Well, not <laughs> not, not one of the, the promising moments of Baylor history. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Anywho, let's transition to football. Spring football games coming up on Saturday. Baylor wrapped up their final practice going into practice, uh, into the spring game on Thursday. Let's dive into what we are wanting to see, what our expectations are for the spring game. That's coming up next here on the Bears Illustrated Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Into the final segment of the Bears Illustrated podcast, Garrett and Pernay here with you. And after a long talk with basketball, we're going to switch things up and we're going to take you to football. Spring football game comes up on Saturday. Um, I, I, there's a lot of excitement around this. Uh, we had I, I spoke with Paul Thorpe from Baylor Alumni Association the other day, and he was talking about the the process of putting together. They're going to do a barbecue co- uh, cook off. Leading into oh, nice. the leading into the spring game, and he said this was something that Coach Aranda really wanted to put an emphasis on. He wanted to get more excitement, uh, more turnout, more engagement, you know, for things like this. And it makes sense; you should have that on every campus. But when you look at Aranda, he's coming from Wisconsin, he's coming from LSU. Those they get down like, like those two schools get down for everything. And I like that he he wants that excitement. He's and he's bringing it out. And you know you're having former players come out. I think you're gonna have uh, Big Cat is gonna be that that Rob Big Cat Jones is gonna be one of the the guest um, judges. You're gonna have uh, the the radio crew Pat Nunley and uh, John Morris and them are gonna be out there. There's gonna be a lot of people, and it's just a lot of fun. As you were here as a student, did did you ever remember the the excitement level or what was it like around spring football games? Do you remember? It was, it was an event, but it wasn't, it wasn't as big of it. It wasn't as big of an event as it seems like Dan is making it now. Um, seems like he's looking for some free barbecue, but absolutely dude, especially if you're going to get Blake Blackmore's barbecue. Hell yeah. I get free barbecue all day. And another cool thing they're going to do is 
all the students that are there, uh, they're going to give them Rudy's barbecue as well. So barbecue around the house at McLean Stadium on Saturday. So, yeah, it's going down. But it it made me think, you know, there's a lot of questions going in. Obviously, all spring long, the conversation has been around the quarterback battle. And, you know, me and you have discussed this. I I think for me, it was it's Gary's to lose. Are you in the same camp for that? It is Gary's to lose. I'm I'm really looking to see how his deep ball looks. If it looks as good as it did, well, his arm strength in general, but if his deep ball looks as good as as good as it did during pro day, then I think Jerry's got it on lock. Um, if his arm strength is there, then there's nothing he can't do on the football field and he's gonna have it down. But otherwise, Blake Shapin is a really good quarterback and I like earlier this offseason I thought Blake Shapin was actually gonna win the job until I saw that Jerry had improved that arm strength. So so I don't think it's a given, but it's leading Jerry's way for sure. So do you think after Saturday, it's all said and done, Sunday morning, do they announce the starter? Or do they – to me, I feel like you you, you don't need to do that. It, well, okay, let me, let, me, let me paint the picture here. I feel like in any other situation, you wouldn't want to do that. I, I feel like Gary's had plenty of times throughout the, his, his duration at Baylor where – he could have left, and he didn't. He stuck it through. He's not going anywhere. And I feel like like Blake Shapin's another one of those guys who understands the culture, sees the the bigger picture here, knows that even if he's not the starter this year, more than likely he's the man. You know, we don't know what's going to happen, transfer portal, recruiting, yada, yada. But more than likely he knows that it's coming, right? I feel confident that both of those guys, regardless of who's named the starter, won't hit the portal. But with so many kids doing that now, like do you think like if you were Aranda or Grimes or whoever's making the decision, do you announce it or are you confident in your that regardless of the decision, both of those guys are gonna stay put? Well, I think you got to tell the team because once Aranda makes up his mind, it's kind of important to the to the cohesiveness of the team and the trust that they have in him for him to tell them who's going to be the starting quarterback. And it's also good to to know who's going to be so the team can rally around that guy. Um, and I don't think whether someone's going to transfer should be a decision uh, regarding that because that's, that's an individual decision and the transfer, obviously, it wouldn't be ideal if someone if like Shapin transferred if he became backup, but it's unlikely. And if it does happen, it doesn't really affect the team in terms of what we're going to see on a Saturday to Saturday basis, as long as there's no injury. Um, it's funny that you mentioned Shapin potentially being the starter because we thought that was going to be Jacob Zeno eventually, and then it, it yeah. wasn't. He got passed up by Blake Shapin and transferred. So Kyron Jones is a guy that's standing there as that third string quarterback who's who's really good. Um, and do you think we see a potential transfer of Blake Shapin if he thinks Kyron Jones could pass him up and he doesn't win the job? Ah, uh, mm, yeah, I, I think that's definitely something he would consider. But in my opinion, I I don't think Jones is ready to to take it from Shapin. You know, I, I feel like right now Shapin is is in better shape than Drones is. Now, can that change over the, the course of next offseason, yada, yada? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and if that was the case and Drones was to win it, 
hell yeah, I can see Shapin hitting the door. But right now, nah, I don't think he's really worried about that. I, I just, okay. I could be totally wrong. I, I just, from, from the vibe I've got and just kind of watching things unfold during practice and stuff, I, I feel like Blake has it. And that's okay. not and that's not a knock at all at Kyrie. That not at whatsoever. That should tell you how good and confident you should be in Blake Shapin. And Kyron's, mm-hmm. you know, a suitable player. He's really good, but he still needs some development time, in my opinion. But other than quarterback play, what what is what? And obviously staying healthy. What is the the one of the things you're going to be looking for most coming out, or what do you want answered coming out of Saturday? I want to see who gets the most reps at running back. How that. Um, how those reps are split up because I'm confident that the running game will be good regardless since the offensive line is back and they're really good. But I, I'm intrigued to see who's going to be the starting running back, who's going to be the uh, the backup and get some of those key receiving down reps. Um, so just interested in seeing like Tay McWilliams and Josh Fleeks and those guys and specifically how Josh Fleeks looks at running back, looks playing running back. Um, and you've been to those practices. Do you have do you have a guess as to who's going to end up getting the most reps? I feel like right now Tabit Williams is running back number one. I okay. just I mean he he he's looks the part. He stepped up. Squirrel's been hit and miss, and and you know he's kind of one that we've been waiting for him to do something. You know injuries have happened, and he's hit and miss. He's done some good things in special teams. Um, Quaylen Jones really hasn't made any noise. Uh, I just I feel like Tay McWilliams is your number one guy, and you're gonna find ways to get fleeks open in space. Whether that's you know plays, getting him you know a, a passing situation out of the backfield, maybe some jet sweep motion type things. Uh, but right now, have if you I, a, go ahead. Have you gotten a chance to see how fleeks look? At, how fleeks looks in the backfield? He he's he's pretty good. Uh, it's definitely a work in progress. Um, that's why I'm saying maybe get him in space, but he's definitely a guy that, you know, maybe you throw out there in uh, a third and long situation, you can get him underneath to get the ball in his hands. Uh, and you could also use him, you know, while he is a, a technically your running back. Now I, I could see him being used in the slot, going back to the receiver some as well. Um, sure. I just, right now the, the most consistency out of that backfield group has definitely come from Tay. And I think okay. really what they're waiting on, and ideally, the back on their roster right now that is the quote-unquote fit for the reliable, violent offense that they want to run is Jordan Jenkins, in my opinion. But at the same time, you know, that's a young dude that's still trying to work. But I feel like he's the guy in a couple of years that's really going to solidify what this offense is about with the right running back back there. Yeah, that makes sense. Um but I, I think we expected Tim McWilliams to be the starter this oh, year. Oh yeah, so not, not not too much, not too much of a surprise. Another thing I'm looking for is um, how these receivers look and who's gonna who's gonna take the mantle from Tyquan Thornton and R.J. Snead. I think definitely you're gonna see what I'm the he's I've been on him since last year, really since high school, man. But Monterey Baldwin is cold. Like he he's he's small, but he is fast and he can catch. He's He's electrifying, man. And if you, he's like a Tyree kill. You get him in space, it's over. Like it's over, dude. I think you're gonna see a big season from him. And I, I'm still beating the drum for Armani Winfield to have a breakout season this freshman year. Like, dude, yeah, it could happen. I really think he's, he's got that that skill set, that potential. You know, and that's a 
you were, I was really hoping we would see Hal Presley. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the injuries got him. There, there's just there's a, so much potential and talent in that room. They're just so young, man. But yeah, they're very young. I, I feel like Monterey Baldwin and Armani Winfield are due for break are are in for breakout years. I would love to see you know Seth Jones get in the mix. Uh, we've talked about Gavin Holmes, but you're coming off of a couple of ACLs. You know that that when he's out there, man, he's explosive. But that's something you've got to be concerned about as well. And it's interesting. I, I just I, I feel like right now, if I had to say your leading receivers at the end of next season, I, I got to ride with Monterey and Armani. Okay, uh, that'll be something to definitely look for at the spring game. Both those receivers and, and how the the secondary looks covering because there's a lot of new guys there. A lot of guys that are going to have bigger roles in the defense. So I'm interested to see that battle between. And the receivers and the corners and safeties. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see because there's so many question marks on both sides right there, and you know it's going to be hard to judge. Like what? Like, I guess you can. You're not really going to see which group is better. I think you might see which group is ahead of the other one right now. Like, I don't. I, I don't think you're going to. You can't make an assumption of this unit's going to struggle or this unit's going to be lights out because there are so many question marks and lack of in-game reps between those two units that it just wouldn't be fair, in my opinion, to to make that that assumption after Saturday, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. It's it's early. There's It's April, and the season doesn't start until September. But it's that, still, it's, still, it's going to give us – an idea of how the season's going to be. Definitely will. It, 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 especially when we already know, like you can you can see what's out there and picture the playmakers on the other teams. Like how are they going to match? That's when you really start nerding out and looking at those things schematically, <laughs> and you know that's interesting. But but one thing I think you really will be able like the position battles, and this is one thing I'm really looking forward to is in the trenches. Like we know this is probably the best year for depth and, and returning talent on the offensive and defensive, defensive lines for Baylor. What does that look like going at each other, like in a game situation? I feel like we can learn a lot from them too, whereas we can't learn a lot from the receivers and the, the, the secondary because there's so much experience. There's so much depth. Like I feel like that's where we can really get a sense of how good they're going to be in game, real game situations. Because when you're going head to head against the best of the best, I think that tells you a lot. Interesting. I, I mean, I kind of think the opposite, just because I feel like we already know how good the lines are going to be. Like, I think we know that they're going to be maybe the best offensive line and best defensive line in the Big Twelve. So, I, like, I feel like. Well, maybe we'll know more about how they would perform in games, but I think we'll learn more about the outside guys because we just don't know that much about how they look yet. Yeah, you definitely will. You'll definitely come away with more. I I think I'm more interested to see, like, how does Jackson Player – what does Jackson Player do? You know, like Like, does he play more end? Does he play more inside? Right, right. Does he fit in with that – with the rest of that line. There's just so much intrigue to that. I I, I guess because I, I'm a sucker for, like, even when we go out to these camps and stuff, man, when the big men go at it, in the that is the absolute best, dude, like, in the trenches. So I, I'm obsessed with watching that because, that I mean, it's 
Eater get eight, dude. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's no way around it. Those dudes be going at it. Brutal. Um, they, they small each other. It's so. Are you excited? I mean, how on, on a level yeah. of one to ten right now? How excited are you for spring football? Spring Saturday. What are your expectations? A ten. I'm excited. I think we're gonna learn a lot, and I think we're gonna we're gonna finally get to see these boys back in action. For the first time in three months, it's gonna be fun. I'm excited you, for it too, man. Huh? Yeah, I'm gonna be there. I'll be there. You're gonna have some barbecue. Uh, Blake Blackmar said he's gonna have me a plate. Now hey, I'm holding to that. He better have me a plate. We're gonna find out. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely gonna go up there and get some barbecue. It, it, you know, media. Oh, I think there's supposed to be some some uh, like tailgate shows going on, and we're gonna broadcast the game at 1660 ESPN Radio here in Waco. So. If you're riding around, you want to listen, you can't make it out or whatever, tune in over there. But, yeah, dude, there's going to be a lot of activities. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun and just kind of a prequel. The, 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 the excitement level, I think, when you're coming into the season off of that that Sugar Bowl win, the, there's just there's the electricity right now, and I think it's really going to and take over. And all these over. guys back, there's, yeah. the expectations are through the roof. There's just so much excitement. Yeah, dude, and – it, it's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to definitely be keeping you know live updates on social media at underscore Garrett Ross. Uh, tell them where they can find you at, Pernay. I'm at Procurry on Twitter. Follow me. Give me, give me a follow. Throw me a like, maybe. <laughs> get at my man come on now alright man that's all the time we have today we appreciate you listening and we'll catch you next time on the Bears Illustrated Podcast 